South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. It's Friday, so you know on Fridays we've got to break news, right? It's Fridays. On Fridays we break news. After we speak with um, our friend, New Bedford City Councilor Ian Abreu. But folks, stick around because I know the news and Marcus has got a real bombshell for you. It is. It's, it, it's, it's big news. Good evening, Ian. Oh, uh, Ian? Gentlemen, are you there? Yes, we're here. Are you, are you there? How you doing? It would be it would be nice if I unmuted my phone. <laughs> we all have problems like that these days. Well, we do. Well, when you've got screaming uh, young ones in the background, you know, you always want to be mute until it's go time. So now it's go time. How are you guys? We're doing great. How are you doing, Councilor Abreu? Oh, doing well. Thank By the you. way, we're, I, I know I express the entire audience's uh, sorrow when we say we're sorry your grandmother died. Thank you very much, uh, you and. Everyone at the station have been fantastic, and the constituents of the city have been fantastic. And, uh, you know, uh, it was a tough week, especially on my mom and uh, me being an only child, um, obviously, and trying to be there for my mother and my stepdad, Patrick, being there for my mother. It's been a difficult week, but uh, with each day, we uh, we grow stronger and stronger. So, But thank you for your condolences. It thank means you. a lot. You're welcome. So, Ian... Um there was some stuff that happened last night. Obviously, you were uh, in a period of bereavement. You weren't able to attend that meeting uh, that meeting last night in the city council. Um, but one of the items taken up, the, the big item, was the rent stabilization uh, ordinance. Um, well, the rent stabilization ballot question. Now, it was a nine-to-one vote. How would you have voted? It still would have passed, but the vote would have been nine to two. Okay. Um, and uh, if Mayor Mitchell uh, sends down a veto, um, if everyone holds the way they voted last night, it'll still be what well, it'll be. Then nine to two, um, I would vote to um, uphold the veto. I would not vote to override the veto for a whole variety of reasons. Um, I think, and Councilor Burgo is my friend, and I know that his heart is, you know, uh, is it's. Uh, is in the right place. It's well intended. I but I have a lot of concerns about rent stabilization, or even you know where this could be headed here uh, in the city of New Bedford for a whole host of reasons. I think when you look at a non-binding referendum, um, something like this, first of all, it's non-binding, so it could potentially, in my opinion, mislead folks into thinking that uh, with their vote they could be essentially lowering their rent, which 
even if that were to pass, that would not be the case. I don't believe, in my opinion, that um, a non-binding referendum is the answer to a complex issue, which requires a multitude of responses that uh, we need not as a community to resolve the housing issues. I mean, I'll just name a couple. I mean, let's look at working with our state and federal partners for more robust down payment assistance programs or first-time homebuyer programs. Um, how about here in the city of New Bedford, um, working to slash red tape as it relates to accessory dwelling units? If you want to add an accessory dwelling unit to your property right now in the city of New Bedford, you have to go before the Zoning Board of Appeals to get a special permit. And we all know sometimes when you go before a zoning board or a planning board or a health board or whatever the case may be, that's a whole new level of bureaucracy and red tape that could jam up uh, a developer or a development. Those who really aren't too sure what accessory dwelling units are, just very briefly there, uh, I'll try to put it as plainly as I can. They're secondary suites or units. They're like self-contained apartments or cottages or small residential units that can be added, um, either attached or detached, on someone's property uh, or a duplex or a single-family home. You can do it in New Bedford, but it's a whole rigmarole of bureaucracy. So I look to slash that red tape. And that also comes into the changing of the zoning laws, right, because that's all interwoven. Um, We also need to have a conversation about subsidies under a federal Section 8 housing vouchering program. Um, That needs to be tuned up as well. Look, I'm not interested at this point, unless someone makes a compelling argument to change my opinion. I'm not willing to support a single-line answer to this very complex problem. In my view, just putting out a ballot referendum I guess it's fine in the sense of get the temperature of the community, but that's a Band-Aid on a surgery that requires you to perform open-heart surgery. Um, And that's not really what I'm looking to do here. I mean, you look at, for example, I mean, the city of St. Paul, Minnesota, right? I mean, I've seen some articles. I've done my homework on this. When they instituted their city council and mayor signed and ordained they called it rent control, not rent stabilization, but, you know, six and one half a dozen in the other. Um, their building permits went down at their building department by 80%. Why is that? Because developers scattered away. They didn't want to develop properties or housing units in those properties, uh, in that community. Uh, it chased them away. It chased away economic development. Um, we... We can see that. I mean, I, I know the Realtor Association of Southeast Mass, they released a press release. And yeah, Paul Chase sent that to me um, Yeah, no, it's earlier. a good letter. I mean, I, I read the whole thing, and I thought that Paul, who's a good man, made some really good cases, uh, many of which I just listened to you right now talking about. Another point that he mentioned that's a great point is that this will incentivize, in my opinion, the bad landlords to be even worse landlords because now they're going to say, you know what, you want to cat me out? That's fine. I'm not going to invest anything into my property now, and we'll let it go into further decay and further ruin. And another point that was mentioned last night, too, I'm not sure if it was on your program or maybe another talk radio program, and I never even thought of this. I I believe it was a caller that brought it up on someone's program, and maybe it was a Barry, and said, you know what will happen if this is going to be instituted? These landlords will jack up all their rents now to get ahead of this, and people will be priced out of homes ahead of anything being instituted. So I thought that was an interesting theory I never thought of, but I guess that's always 
an unintended consequence of something like this. Look, I, I'm not a fan of big government. We know that. Um, government uh, is here to assist and it's here to help when appropriate. I think government should be um, a convener, um, a conduit for dialogue, uh, working with the private sector to foster some good ordinances and some policies to look at this program, again, or this initiative. But I'm not sure a single-line ballot referendum is the answer, in my opinion, at this time. Uh, like anything, uh, this is America, and I reserve the right to change my opinion if new data or evidence is produced. Oh, me, okay. But, Don't give yourself an escape hatch. But, <laughs> no, I'm not. But this is, but no, no, no. But, but this, is my, this is my opinion, and I'm pretty strong with it, uh, you know. Uh, but that's how I feel about all this. Um, so it would have been 9 to 2 if I was there last night. Councilor Burgo knows. Uh, he and I spoke about it. Uh, we had a a repartee about it over the phone the other day. So, Councilor Abreu, um, I, I, I appreciate your opinion, and, and I, I know that Marcus and I um, will have a, a lot of conversations about this. Uh, we'll probably even end up having d debates here in the studio about it as the question comes along. Mm -hmm. um, the um, One of the things I thought was kind of interesting, and again, I, I recognize you weren't there because you, your grandmother had passed away, and I, I respect that, um, but there's no language. To the, to the question. And, and this right. is, as you point out, it's a very complex problem. Even the most simple of solutions is going to be complex if, if, at, the, at the risk of contradicting myself. The well, devil is in the details. Right. How could anyone vote on a question that has no details to it? And I'm not speaking for Councillor Burgo, and I do have a great deal of respect for him, but I believe he said the point of this was to start the conversation, but we need to have some type of foundation for the conversation. Um, I, I understand, uh, I guess you could say, you know, he had said, well, uh, rent stabilization is not rent control because rent control caps it at, at a certain rate. Rent stabilization is, is would be a percentage set of how high you can go based on the real estate market at that point. But I don't know. I, I just have Look, Bur Council Burgo doesn't understand the difference. Marcus laid it out the other night. It's marketing. Yeah. It's marketing. It's branding. And, I, and I, look, I like the councilor quite a bit, but we're not going to break down into, a, into an argument or, or of semantics. Either way, we know what it is. It is an attempt to lower rent and have the government control or stabilize the rate at which the rent can increase. E either way... It, 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 no matter what you call it, the effect is for, the same. And for the record, I don't want to see anyone displaced in the city. And Marcus and Chris, you both know, when I was the president last year, I formed the Affordable Housing and Homeless Affairs Subcommittee, right. which I named yeah. chair, Shane the Chair. Right. The first time the city council and the history of the city charter, we've ever had a committee that tackled issues uh, surrounding affordable housing and homeless affairs. So I take this matter very seriously. I don't want anyone displaced, especially our children and our seniors. But this takes all of us coming together, working with the private sector, homeless advocates, housing advocates, uh, Paul Chase, the Realtor Association, the Landlord Association. They all have to have a seat at this table. That's my view anyway, because uh, I got to tell you, uh, I don't have all the answers to solve the problem uh, as it relates to homeless affairs or housing or lack thereof. But you know what I'm good at? I'm good at convening, and I'm good at surrounding myself with people who are better than me in certain sectors uh, than I am. And that's what I would look to do on something like this. And my understanding is there will be community forums. Uh, the good counselor said that. He so, Councilor Abreu, um, speaking, of, speaking of you know, convening and, and, and discussing with others, 
What's your thoughts on the fact that Councilor Burgo and his uh, co-conspirators never approached the mayor on this question? Was that a wise decision? What do you make of that? Anytime I've proposed a motion uh, for which the mayor uh, would have to sign off on or worked on an ordinance or anything like that, me personally, I always gave the mayor a heads up and had a discussion. Now, I know he was asked about it, I think, by you, Marcus, and he had said no, but then he said he spoke to someone in his administration. I don't know who that someone is, uh, but, you know, we all have the mayor's cell phone. He has all of our cell phones. Uh, he texts. Uh, he'll he'll call. Um, isn't, that like, isn't that like leaving a note? Mom, I'm going out with my friend who you don't really like, but I'm leaving a note because then I left. Mom, I left you a note, you know? Well, that, that, well, that's the thing because it seems to be the mindset. It's already uh, a fait accompli that Mayor Mitchell's going to veto. Yeah. And I don't know that. Exactly. No that. That, that's a fait accompli. You can't know that until you ask him. I, I know. I heard. I heard. I heard uh, the, uh, Council President Moore, I'd say that. Well, he's definitely going to be against it. So, like, well, you never ask. So, right. I mean, how, how can well, you? That's the thing. How I can mean, you know? I, I would have put something up if I thought that it would flunk, unless, unless, of course, this is just to put the ball in the administration's court and see what happens. But um, even still, I, I think a preliminary com- conversation would have been would have been fruitful. But I, I actually. I actually wanted to ask you about something. I mean, I think we're good on this topic, good, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I actually wanted to ask you something else that was really equally as important and probably more immediately harmful. Um, and that is Council President Morad's want to repeal the Community Preservation Act funding. Um, and uh, we have that here in Fairhaven. I actually sat on the Community Preservation Committee in Fairhaven for a while. Uh, it's ever, most towns here in the com, I mean, the Commonwealth, most towns in the South Coast have Community Preservation Act and access to those funds. Can you explain why that is a bad idea? I've supported the Community Preservation Fund uh, every year since it was instituted in fiscal year 16. Um, and, uh, I mean, they've brought forth over eight point, almost $8.5 million worth of projects here in the city of New Bedford that are bettering the community as it relates to open space, recreation, community housing, historic resources. I have never cut or voted to cut or voted to amend any of these uh, proposals. The reality is that in 2015, on the ballot, the same year I had gotten elected to the, uh, to the New Bedford City Council, that first election for me to get elected, the populace of New Bedford voted pretty, pretty resoundingly in favor of the Community Preservation Act surcharge tax to, to be put into the to the greater good uh, uh, for the community. Um, what did you say, 2015? 2015, yes. Okay, so people voted on this in 2015. A fairly That's new correct. proposal. Yeah. And we're so, now revisiting it. So, so I've never, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Constituents call me and, you know, uh, I can only speak to me. I can't speak to the other 10 colleagues. They mm-hmm. call me all the time about issues, about taxes, about right. the budget, about sewer, water, infrastructure, you we name it. Get it. Yep, yep. I have never once, hand to God, received a phone call, an email, a Facebook private message, a social media tag, a tweet, so, anything. Ian, speaking, speaking to of this, appeal, just or, in, the, in the interest of time, we have, um, you guys have to allocate the funds after the, after the committee, uh, you know, makes the recommendations. Have to your knowledge, has the city council ever turned down the recommendations of the committee in the, in the couple of years you guys have been doing it? And in particular, I'm wondering if Linda Morad has ever objected to any of these projects. 
that you know? I, I don't believe. I didn't believe. So I know. I think last year, the year before, we had one item that was it failed. It was uh, it was the um, the masonry project at the Whale Museum. I'm dating myself here, but it was to, to do some work uh, at the Whale Museum. It had failed. However, uh, because it had failed in committee, I know we're getting technical. They were able to. We were able to bring it back for another vote. We had one more bite at the apple. We did that, and it passed by a slim majority. So we almost had a failure once, but we did not. I mean, this year is pro- like for example, this year the community preservation committee they're proposing two million dollars worth of works that can be infused into this community. And I'm just going to name a couple. I know we're up against the clock, but I mean, crying out loud. The Sergeant William, the Sergeant Carney Academy Playground for Children, yeah. a $250,000 project for children of this community. Mm-hmm. Looking at the Boys and Girls Club, a playground, 47000 Pine Hill Park, uh, 45000 for the uh, Interpretive Outlook Initiative. And I'm just looking down the list here. Uh, more money for the Strand Theater, the Capitol Theater. Yeah. Um, the Fort Tabor mural for the military museum. I mean, we can just go on and Temple Landing for housing. There's a there's uh-huh. a there's a, a bunch of uh, housing initiatives. There's a bunch of housing. There's a bunch of housing, and so to, I think honestly, any counselor that said let's look at rent control uh, ordinances or let's have a conversation about rent rent control and let's have a conversation about repealing free money from the state at the same time right. Right. for housing um, is really got to check their priorities. It once again proves the point. It's just a, a cynical political stunt, the yeah. well, rent control I mean, thing. And, and you look at the breakdown Well, here, at least right? for... Uh, yes. The person well, who coasts... Yeah. Correct. For, for Linda, well, yeah. Yes. Well, for example, you look at the breakdown. It's, it said it was $8.5 million, right, just about there. Almost half of that, almost $4 million of that, $3.953 million has been infused into Ward 4. So the mm-hmm. Aboriginal Park, stuff in the downtown, I mean... Um, and Ward 6 has gotten a lot of love. For example, in my neck of the woods, Ward 6 in the South End, that beautiful bowling green that I bring my son and daughter on, that I play on, that our seniors play on, that the Youth Opportunities Unlimited kids here at Victory Park where their offices, where they play on, that would not be there without right. the Community Preservation Act money. This is important stuff. The, the restoration of the George point. Washington paintings. I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff that's going on. And the <laughs> idea that you're going to rip the whole <laughs> thing up by money. its roots is and it's free. It's basically free. It, but I lowered your tax and mar- taxes, Marcus. Don't worry about the pay raise I gave no, you. No, no. One of the counselors got a, a bunch of calls from phantom constituents saying that they were upset about $40 being taken out of their uh, out of their tax bill. But not the $50,000 pay raise. Not the, not no. the $50,000 no. for the dog catcher, though. No. Hey, so... Um, so got a couple more things, I think. Yeah, so we yeah. got a couple more things. One is the... Um, you know, I know you wanted to talk about this, the, the, the police uh, staffing issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, well, it's been a problem for a long time, and we're dipping close to 200 officers. Marcus, you and I talked about this about three weeks ago. It's not getting any better. We're getting coached left and right. We've lost a few more officers this week, and this is why we need to make sure we continue to fund our police. And I appreciate what the mayor did for the recruitment initiative for the new recruits, the $5,000 bonus. That's, as I said on social media when I released the statement, that's only one half of the problem. It's recruitment and retention. What are we doing for these men and women of the rank and file? Uh, of all the public safety uh, departments, but we're concentrating on police right now that worked all throughout the entire pandemic that are staying here, that are on the streets, in the community. They need to feel the love, too, because they're going to get posts very shortly, too, if they don't feel the love from us. And 
uh, you know, and we need to make sure that they're taken care of. It's a big problem. I mean, look at, the, look at our police officers and what they do. Uh, I don't need to give anyone a history lesson about what happened last weekend at the Funzy Trampoline Park. Officers Felix, Marinelli, my good friend Hank Turgeon, if they weren't there, if we didn't have a well-stocked uh, police department, well-trained police department, who knows what would have happened last weekend at Funzy. We had a madman going in there who was obviously looking to wreak havoc on innocent people. Um, and this is why you need to continue to support your police and make sure they're taken care of and they're well-funded. Ian, one more thing, and uh, we've got a, a little bit of a tight window here, but um, before I let you go, I know you're going to be in Florida um, for an, uh, the New Bedford week with Phil Paleologus um, with your Silmo syrup. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, it'll be a great time. I'm happy to be one of the uh, sponsors for the station, uh, for Phil to be down there. Uh, I'll be right next to Phil at the Shell Factory in Fort Myers on Tuesday, March 14th. Uh, we fly down first thing Sunday morning. We'll be there uh, to sell our syrup to all these former New Bedfordites who are now living down on the west coast of Florida. I look forward to connecting with a lot of people who, who knew my grandfather, who knew my parents, and uh, knew a lot of people in the community. And, uh, and I, I'd love to hear some more stories about Silmo or even politics. Uh, I know, you know Mayor Lawler and I have become pretty friendly over the last couple of months in setting all this up. So I'd love to trade some stories with him. And, uh, uh, you know, you can always tap into your elders and especially those who have served in office. So I don't think that I'm not going to use my time with Mayor Lawler as a resource uh, to garner some good policy uh, feedback to bring back to the city. Ian, thanks so much for joining us. Gentlemen, have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it. So I want to just break this now because yeah, I know there's some, there's some notices that are going to be timed out and stuff like that. But the breaking news we wanted to we, we wanted to give to you today, and this is a WBSM South Coast Tonight exclusive. You heard it here first and nowhere else. Ward 5 City Councilor Scott Lima will not seek re-election for Ward 5 this uh, this year. Amazing. So there will be an open seat. Uh, this is the statement he delivered to um, uh, Chris and me earlier today. Today, I have announced that I will not run for re-election as the Ward 5 City Councilor, and as of now, I plan to serve out my current term, which ends on December 1st, I mean December 31st, 2023. So Ward 5 City Councilor Scott Lima will not be seeking re-election for his Ward 5 City Council seat. I think that's major news. You're going to have an open race in a very competitive and a very competitive ward in New Bedford. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to react to this breaking news that you heard here first on South Coast Tonight. Listen to us live. Can't do it, Sally. For old time's sake, Tom. Can you get me off the hook? Can't, can't do it, Sally. Um, so, Marcus, um, so that's a big story. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're just tuning in, Ward uh, Ward Five City Councilor Scott Lima says he is not going to seek re-election, and he would have been re-elected. Oh, easily, easily re-elected. Easily. Um, the story is also live on WBSM.com. Ward 5's Lima will not seek re-election. So, um, breaking news. You heard it here first on South Coast on South Coast Tonight. That was a WBSM exclusive, and we appreciate Scott um, giving us the info, the heads up on that. He's always been very helpful to the show. He's great. And to the station. Yeah, no, he's great because, you know, like, I'll be talking about something, he'll say, 
hey, I've got an opinion on this. Can I call in? I'm like, of course you can. You're a city councilor. So as I was preparing for the show and, and we, you know, we talked about the, about the story earlier, I reached out to Scott Lang and mentioned to him. He said, he's a good guy. He'll be missed. Mm-hmm. Mark Montigny, same thing. Mark said, he's a friend. He'll be missed. You know, in fact, I think I know Mark, both of them will be reaching out to him to see if what the reasons are. But yeah. anyway, he would have been reelected. Yeah. Um, he'll be, he'll be missed. Um, as an experienced counselor, um, a calm voice, I think, I, th- I the think city so. council, right? And you know what's interesting about Scott is when... Um, and by the way, he would have been very important to this housing discussion. He would have. You know, and actually talked about, like, when we were talking about Astrid, because that's in his ward and all of that, mm-hmm. they said, you know, there was a lot of discussion about when, um, you know, when will... Uh, uh, what will what will come of it? And he's like, I really would love to see workforce workforce housing if we're going to get rid of Ash Street. You know, I'd really love to see some workforce housing there. So, so I, I think so. I, th- I think you know he's a realtor too. He's got uh, experience in in real estate and finance. And fi- yeah, exactly. I mean, so. it's a real um, set of skills that is missing from the will be missing from the council. I agree. In this discussion. I agree. I, I, He'll be there through the end of the year. He's not resigning, folks. He's not resigning, right? Uh, he's he said he's just finishing out his term. Right. Um, you know, he's leaving. I, I guess you can leave the door. I, I guess. I mean, what what I will say about his statement, even though it's it's fairly straightforward, but I, you know, I it's my job to read between the lines, right? Um, today, I announced that I will not run for re-election as the Ward Five City Councilor. Okay, and as of now, I plan to serve out my current term which ends on December 31st, 2023. As of now, I plan. So I, I think there's some, yeah, I think there's some um, precatory language there, right? And so, <laughs> and so, um, South Coast audience is rushing to the thesaurus right now. I, there's a law school, it was a law school term for the most part. In, 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 non-definitive language we'll say right suggestive suggestive maybe i will you know i plan on doing this right so as of now i plan on doing this so i think there's some cushion there um in his statement to say well maybe i'll do this maybe i'll do that Right. right and so but right now what we do know and what he has said definitively is that he will not run for city council in for the ward uh for ward five he will not run so so, Marcus, what does that tell us? couple things. We know that Ward 5 is the most politically active ward in the city. Yeah. Um, I and guess two and years ago, we had an opponent, Mr. Boyer. Yeah, Zach Boyer. Who stayed active in politics. Yeah, he, he worked on um, Carmen Amaral's campaign. He'll be, he'll, I got to imagine. I would assume gonna, he'll be a candidate, right? I, yeah, I got to imagine he's going to look at it again. Um, you got Paul Chase, who lives in Ward 5. Right. Uh, who ran a strong campaign against Scott. Right. And, I mean, a lot. Mayor Mitchell lives in Ward 5. <laughs> Scott Lang lives in Ward Scott 5. Scott Lang lives in Ward 5. Um, there's yeah. very f- Tony few Cabral. open seats. Right? Yeah, few and far between. It's a rare opportunity, and it happens to... It's kind of funny, actually. This happened last time in 2017. There was a Ward 3 special election, and then right. the Ward 5 seat opened up when Kerry Winterson decided not to seek re-election. That's very interesting, yeah, right? isn't it? So it's a cycle. Um, you have... But six, still, that was six years ago. Former right? Ward 6 Councilor Joe Lopes recently moved to Ward 5. That's interesting. There's, there's that. There is um, other people who are looking at maybe running at large... That we've heard who live in Ward well, 5. Well, so pe- for people who don't know, the area that Councillor Lima represents is the neighborhoods around 
Buttonwood Park. Right. The most heavily, uh, you know, those two precincts have voted the Buttonwood Warming House. Yeah. Have the highest percentage turnout in the whole city. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of people. The Ward 5 uh, Democrat Committee is very active. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, a lot of politically minded people, civically minded, I would say. Yeah. Um, in that area. Um, it's going to be a competitive election. It's going to be a very competitive election, and it's now with the backdrop of all this stuff going on. Linda Morad wants to kill the CPC money, and now they're asking whether or not you support rent control. Right. And I'm kind of at this point now where I don't agree with you on the principle of rent control being a doomed policy. Okay. But what I would say is the non-binding resolution strikes me now as less of a good idea as it was yesterday in right. light of this now CPC thing. Like, because listen, yeah, I, I know that Shane wants this. Totally agree with you. And he has the power to start working on it. And I understand that I can kind of sympathize with, well, let's see if they want it first. But I think you're elected for a specific reason. You have the mandate just by virtue of your election to start working on stuff. Do it. That's the only reason that you have any. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it is a complex issue um, with all kinds of intended and unintended consequences. As, as um, Councilor Burgo said today, unintended consequences. I was happy to hear him say that on yeah. Tim Weisberg's show. Um, it is not the type of thing the general public, and I'm not insulting the general public, but is equipped to make a decision on. It's why mm-hmm. I don't like in complex ballot measures. measures. This is going to require a lot of study, a lot of experts, a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Things the general public doesn't have. The reason you elect representatives. Yeah. So, Councilor Burgo, to put forward a vague proposal of would you like lower rent? No kidding. Well, that's that's it's what's going going to pass. That's what's kind of bothering me now about the um, Community Preservation Act because the language that's in on it is intentionally, I think, obfuscating. I would agree. And to say, to say, oh, well, that's the way it was on the ballot last time. Okay. Maybe it was. That doesn't mean you have to put it on the ballot the exact same way, first of all. Correct. Second of all, did you ask this, the city council attorney, David Jaratowski, is, is this the way I have to put it on the ballot, or is this the way I can put it on the ballot? Right. I think it's the latter. Honestly, because I think it's intentionally obfuscating, and I think it's suspicious. It's incredibly suspicious that only one city councilor happens to get this deluge of calls. Everybody's right. calling me all the time, telling me what a horrible thing it is that I have to pay forty bucks out of my taxes. And Marcus, this has been around for a number of years. Yeah, twenty, thirty years. There is no, I have not heard any serious opposition to the projects by Linda Morad. Zach Boyer will run for city council. Oh, excellent. First breaking candidate. Breaking here, yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> breaking news. Well, actually, well, Marcus, give him a full breaking news. I will. Breaking news, yeah. Zach Boyer will run for Ward 5 city council. Former candidate, Zach Former Boyer. Former candidate, Zach Boyer, yeah. Um, and um, it's going to be a whole different race now with a, with an open seat, though. Totally entirely different, different race, entirely because now you're not saying you're not saying you're saying this is why I'm the best candidate, not this is why Scott Lima was bad. Correct. That's, that was the argument he had to make last time, yes. which you couldn't make because he was doing a good job. Right. 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 <laughs> you know? Right. So, um, so, uh, and I would assume Mr. Boyer has learned a lot of lessons. 
um, as you always do. It's always a dry run, yeah. Right. right. Um, he said, he, you know, he probably realized I got to start earlier, as he just did. Yeah. Right? He started as early as anybody could. <laughs> yeah. Um, and probably realizes, wow, I've got to make sure I knock on more doors. It's, it's, I got to dedicate more time to knocking on doors than I thought I needed to last time. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm really excited. It's a really, it's a highly competitive. I, I think. And, and while I disagree with Mr. Boyer, I think on a lot of things, I'm excited that he's coming back because that's the right thing. Yeah, I think. I think having people like Zach and is going to bring in issues that I think are really important to discuss, and so I'm really looking forward to that. So, Marcus, just to get back on the um, uh, on the discussion of the CPA, the fact that Linda Morad has had the pro- the power to allocate the funds and discuss them, and has never, as far as we oh. know, put up any kind of resistance to the projects. Yeah, now is saying, let's not. Let's not do the hard work of resisting individual products, projects that we don't think deserve funding. Let's just rip the whole damn thing out. Yeah, and it's because I've been hearing from everybody everywhere all at once right. that <laughs> that they're telling. But but then at the same time, my colleagues haven't heard enough from their constituents to want to move forward with right. this. Right. And I will say about this in terms of like, oh, so I changed it to non-binding. It's the same thing. It's just going to take longer because one, I think the language is is intentionally obfuscating. And two, you have the highest ranking member of the city council outright lying about the benefits of the program. She did lie about it today. She said, oh, well, uh, you know, it was great when all that money was coming in from the state. Less money's coming in now. Okay. Well, there's a 35% match from the state from the funds. But you, she knows because she's in finance and she's been around for a long time that it's not just the money from the state that you get. It's the leveraged funds total. So if you look at like the Mass Cultural Council okay. or other larger NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and they look at, well, one of the things that you need is community investment to get grant money. They're going to look at to see whether you've got CPC money. And, and so for, for you folks at home... Um, Marcus was on the CPC committee in Fairhaven. I was. So yes. he knows. He's got a, a I, bit I of was. expertise Yeah, here. so I was the historical commission rep for the CPC um, for a while, and then I was the BPW rep for the CPC. And I, I had you know, I had to leave because, frankly, I added the show, right? right. So, but, um, and, and they meet at seven. But, uh, but... We funded a lot of good projects when I was there. You know, the Whitfield Manjaro House, we fixed fixing up. And it's not just like, oh, this is so pretty nice and all that, which I think there's a benefit to. Um, but we, like, fix the concrete at the skate park, right? Like, things that are necessary. And, and Marcus, the, the other thing, going to, and you made this point earlier, but again, it cannot be stressed enough. The idea that you, you're going to say we're going to implement a rent control, a rent stabilization scheme in the city, but at the same time, I want to rip out the source of money for affordable housing projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. is insanity. It's crazy. I mean, look, <laughs> the money that is being allocated from the CPC funds is going directly into constructing new units of housing. Yes. Not some scheme by which we get the landlords to pay less, to charge less rent, which, no, no. Today, they are funding and have been funding additional units of housing in the city of New Bedford. Real created housing. Okay. Yeah. And she wants to rip that out. Yeah. To put 
I know. Up a scheme by which she seizes well, well, people's property. I, I think all of this is just a, a flurry of distractions from bad press, so frankly. It, it is the most cynical propositions yeah. I have ever seen, Marcus. They are they contradict each other. Mm-hmm. They you have one program that is literally funding housing mm-hmm. in the city of New Bedford, and at the same time you have a, a scheme by which you're saying, "Well, we don't have enough housing, so we're going to put rent control in." Yeah, it does. It just undermine you're undermining your argument. It, it, there's no ideological consistency here. Because what it, she wants to do is go around and tell everybody, "I'm lowering your taxes." Oh, and I'm lowering your rent. And it, her being able to say that some self validation is going to cost these communities um, tens of millions of dollars. Let's, incredible. Let's take a break. 1420 WBSM New Bedford's News Talk Station. Turn over a. South Coast tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now back to South Coast tonight. So welcome back. We're, we're just, uh, so we have Zach Boyer says he, he intends to run for Ward 5 City Council. Um, because well, Scott Lima is not running for re-election. Scott Lima is not running for re-election. We know that uh, we know that Councilor Lopes lives in Ward Five now. Uh, former Councilor Lopes lives in Ward Five now. He, maybe he runs. Um, you know, former Councilor Jane Gonzalez has never gotten out of politics. She's been around. Mm-hmm. Um, her, her, her her mother passed away, which I know was a big part of her responsibilities in life. So that gives her, unfortunately, a little freer hand. She's been active at the city at the as the trustee of the ARPA funds at the county commission level. Yeah. Um, there's a number of people, Marcus, does, does, in does, that ward. Maybe Mayor Mitchell runs. Maybe Mitchell, he, maybe he's former Mayor Lang. M- Mitchell runs. To, you'll have both seats. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, like, does Mitchell like call? Like, he's a constituent. Does he like call Scott for stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, he calls Ian because Ian gets it done. <laughs> um, let me see. Who else is in that ward? A lot of people. Um, I do. I do want to say actually, when I um, I remember when when that race was open. One of my buddies who lives in Ward Five and has for a long time, I, I was I was talking to him about the race. I'm like, oh, well, Paul Chase looks good. So and so looks good. He goes, Scott Lima's is going to win that race. I'm like, what? He goes, it's his time. He's going to win that race, and he did. Scott Scott um really Great. rolled up some big margins. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. He did a great job, and I, I think yeah, the the council will definitely miss his um. His, his leadership on a lot of issues. Look, we, we, and, and as, a, as a final tip of the hat to his decency, as he leaves the door, he's doing it with plenty of time. Yes. To give a, a, a lot of people an opportunity to run. Absolutely. He's not pulling a sneak move where he leaves at the last minute, any of that stuff. Are we going to take a break? The WBSM app is every... WBSM.com to check our, out our breaking story that Ward 5 City Councilor Scott Lima will not seek re-election. We've got our friend Terry from Fairhaven Animal Control. He's going to be 